Hey, welcome to episode 169 of the Dealer Playbook Podcast. My name is Michael Cirillo, your host. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for checking out the show. I hope that you are having the best day ever. And if you're not, I hope after listening to this podcast, you are on the path to having the best day ever. That's what this show is all about. It's about leveraging your career in the automotive industry to think bigger, reach higher, and live happier, to enrich and empower the lives of automotive professionals around this big, beautiful globe of ours. Now, listen, today I am excited to bring you into my conversation with Mike Hegg, who's the VP of Automotive over at Car Wars. We're talking about the differences between phone skills and phone management process and how you can leverage both of those things to create a better customer experience. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Mike Hegg. Here we go. All right, so kicking this off, um, I mean, aside from reminiscing about our uh, romantic dinner in the old streets of Montreal, <laughs> um, take me back. Yeah, take take me back. I know. I, I think I'm still digesting. Yeah, that, that yeah. dinner. I ate way <laughs> too much, but really good conversation. And then, I mean, the other day, I want to say last week or maybe it was yesterday. I don't know. Time's all blending. Um, I posted a bit of a comedic, well, in my mind it was comedic, but, but a bit of a rant about how it's 2019. Why are people still answering the phone and talking on the phone and deploying processes becoming of what we would have done in 1987? Uh, and I mean, people that listen to the show know I've referenced this phone call that made me rant where customer calls in, you can hear the phone ringing. And then you get the ABC Motors monotone. Sounds like they, they don't want to be there. Uh-uh. Then the customer, after a long pause, the customer actually continues the conversation with, how are you today? <laughs> and I'm thinking, holy balls, what is happening here? Why is this still a thing? You had commented. So I want to kind of pick up the conversation from here. First part of the question is, why is that still happening? Second part of the question is, what can we finally, finally, finally do about it? Yeah. All right. So let's start with why. Man, what a tough question. I Here's my take on the, the phone in general, and this might help answer the question and lead us down some other paths. It's still happening because the phone is, is still looked at this kind of big pain in the butt that nobody wants to deal with. Mm-hmm. And for, for two, three decades now, this idea that the phone is important has crept into the dealership world. Absolutely. We all, we all intellectually, I think we do, or hope we do understand that these phone calls are important, but emotionally we've been just owned by the phone. It's just been a pain in the butt. We've, we've been burned by phone trainers in the past who came in and then left and didn't didn't provide enough value. Turnover is a killer. You, you, you right. do a phone training or do a phone process you know, seminar, and six months later, you got 10 new folks sitting in there that didn't need that training and don't know what to do. Um, it's, it's, it's almost, I think, we've gotten so distracted by a whole bunch of other shiny objects out there 
that right. we forget or ignore or have slowly let the this weapon sitting in our on every desk and in every pocket of our sales staff and service staff just slowly kind of fade away. So that's right. that's the why. There's just this 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 general understanding that this is hard and we're probably never going to figure it out or be perfect when that's a trap too because you're never going to be perfect. Right. So that's that's, that's you know what interests me about that though. You, you know, you, you've got me thinking, right? Because we we do invest so much in these shiny objects, and the hope is that they're going to solve the problem. Essentially, what we're saying when we invest in the latest shiny object is that people don't matter as much because, to your point, uh, the attrition rate is so high, right? Turnover, we, there's no guarantees. And it's funny because if like people didn't matter, why are they really the, the, the crux of all of this? The reason the shiny object exists is, is because people are actually the pivot point by which all problems are perpetuated or mm-hmm. solved. Yeah. And I, I think, and I was at a conference this past week, weekend and week, and Somebody said something really good, and it relates to people and process and the technology. Is with with any of these new fancy technologies, or even with a revitalized spirit and desire to to get better on the phone. This and this was such a light bulb moment for me. This 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 panelist said, "We we don't quit, or excuse me, we don't fail. We just we just slowly quit." And I think that's what happens to mm-hmm. a lot of our our phone mentality. And it really happens to our, our approach to training our people to help them be better on the phone. Not that we fail. It's an infinite game. You're never going to win the phone perfectly every single day. We just slowly quit on our people and quit on the culture and quit on the process. Why do you think that's part of the culture though? Like what this, this idea that I can try something once. And I mean, it's not industry specific to your point. It's life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that though? Like, why do we, why do we think that having not done something at first exposure, we can be perfect at it, like the phone or like sales or running a business or any of these sorts of things? Yeah, that's such a good question because it's yeah, step out of a dealership. And by the way, it's very hard to operate a dealership. So this is a, by no means a finger wag at that. I <laughs> yeah, no, at all. No, no, I mean, I'm in the trenches not, no. with these guys, you know, all day every day, and I get it. Um, but you're right. It's 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 the the 30 year old person who picks up a guitar for the first time desperate to learn tries two lessons isn't playing like Jimi hendrix and quits why does that happen well uh, first of all they should have started not, they should have started by not learning to play hansen's catalog of music right <laughs> like they're pounding out mbop that's true <laughs> yes let's not start with our mid 90s cult favorites <laughs> Uh, you, you ain't it, playing Hendrix because you picked the wrong catalog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But but I think, yeah, we probably just, we look, gosh, what a good topic. We look at the end of the tunnel and I've, I've you've talked with so many of your guests and I love this topic about just kind of self-comparison or industry comparison. And we look at the end result and see what we should be, what we want to be. And failure is hard. And a couple failures knock us off our, our rocker a little bit. And if we yeah. don't see or feel those immediate results, it just kind of sucks. <laughs> and yeah, and at that point, it's just, well, there's probably another shiny object out there that 
that's better or that there's no other shiny object we just go back we just we we reside ourselves to the mean to the middle to the median we're just we can be sometimes average if we're not deliberate or we are average if we're not deliberate yeah and you know what's striking about this is you know if, if we shifted the paradigm failure is a result you know what I mean? For if you want if you want instant results, well, guess what? Failure is probably the most instant result you can get. But what's shocking to me, Mike, is how many people are get get comfortable in failure. They go, "Oh man, I'm not selling. I'm not hitting my goals. I'm not this. I'm not that." And it's because they don't like the way failure feels. None of us do. But then they stop there, like you said, it kills the momentum of what could be, you know, lurking around the corner and they give up too soon. It's like the, who's that individual? What's the, the analogy of swimming the English um, channel and the fog sets in and, and you give up. I think this is actually a true story. You don't realize how close to France you yeah. actually are. You don't realize yeah. how close to the finish line you actually are. Sure. And, and so it's interesting to me when we don't like failure that we actually sit in failure for so long. Right. Because we, we, we just get used to it. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, for the, for example, like referencing back this, this, this phone call uh-huh. that I started the conversation with is like, dude, you don't like the way it feels to not sell and to not make a good income to provide for yourself and your family or whoever. Um, however, you keep yourself there by not improving your skills, by not learning from the failure. You just kind of keep doing what led you to the failure over and over again. And so I'll ask you, why do you think that is? Um, dude, well, I, I think part of it is <laughs> fear, fear of, of um, discomfort, right? Growth means discomfort i mean you think of you know and i've had people on the show where they talk about look at bodybuilding or weightlifting or exercising that is literally the process of tearing yourself down so that you can grow it's the process of experiencing pain Mm -hmm. by which you can grow and so i think we try and avoid that because maybe we have some fixed beliefs maybe we we've been led to believe with wrong advice that that's actually going to lead us down a path that we won't like maybe Maybe we're just not in a mental state where we can handle it. I don't know. I've been there. Um, I think there is a variety of reasons. And so to your point, no, we're not wagging our fingers at anybody here. We're simply suggesting, hey, there's ways that you can overcome this. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of the second part of the, the, the question. And, and maybe going deeper than, well, here's what you got to do. Here's all you have to do. Because a lot of people get overwhelmed by perhaps the simplicity of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds simple, but an application, what does that actually look like? So if I had to say, okay, well, what can we do about this to, to the second part of that question? Yeah. What are some actual step by, you know, little steps here, here and there, things that could help an individual improve their process or improve their ability or, or maybe what they could look for to give them an indication on how well they're actually doing. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Good segue. I think I think first, yeah, you just mentioned it, but you you do have to keep something like the phone at your dealership or business, by the way, simple. When you have so many moving parts and you have a culture that is um 
or business, I should say, that is so that has so many levers and 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 people involved. I'm a big believer in to to move a culture forward, to move a business forward, to move your people forward, to lead them well. Your vision and your messaging and your goals they need to be simple. If you if you overcomplicate it, if you overcomplicate a process, people tune out immediately or at, over right. time. So. For us, when it comes, to, or for me and for my company, but when it comes to the phone, we're very big on keeping it simple. And that is 20 years worth of analysis that says we've over, when it's too complicated, we all give up. Right. <laughs> over time. Yeah. So, so you know, let, me, let me give you a very tactical, practical example. So, we love to talk to dealers about this idea that when the phone rings at your store, it's a very, it, that's, that's one of the best possible things that can happen. It's a chance to potentially sell or service uh, or sell or service uh, appointment. It's a chance to get somebody in. It's a chance to to provide a good customer experience, to align your brand, that your messaging with with what it's like to. This is they're they're feeling your dealership for the first time. Right. So let's align ourselves with it, and we get really excited when we realize, hey guys. Do you realize that you are sending a whole bunch of calls to voicemails to people that aren't there to people that don't work there anymore? And we call that we're not connecting that call to somebody who can help. Okay, so right. very simple. The receptionist or somebody answers the phone, but nobody, uh, but but the caller doesn't reach somebody who can actually help them. Sure, that's a that's a failure of process. We're not going to be perfect. We always say that, but that's a failure of process where some dealerships are doing it fifty percent of the time. So, which means again, five of 10 calls don't reach someone who can help. So just realizing that that is A, happening, and then B, what should I do about it? Hey, we should immediately train our staff and, and really just bring our staff up to speed that this is happening and we should implement something like a warm transfer, which, which just says, hey, if Bob or Sally isn't available and I'm and I'm transferring a phone call to them, I'm going to re-engage the caller. I'm going to apologize that they're not available, and I'm going to offer to get a manager or or, or personally assist them with anything they can. And if all else fails, I'm going to take a handwritten note. I'm going to deliver it to Bob or Sally. I'm going to email Bob and Sally. I'm going to text Bob and Sally, and I'm going to make sure that Bob or Sally—I just keep saying them—but they they follow up with that customer. Mm -hmm. So step one, let's let's and and if you really want to kind of dive in if you're not using any technology now just call your dealership pick up the phone right now and call your dealership from a couple different phone numbers that are online if you guys if you, if you have a bridge or an auto attendant select a couple different extensions just to test things out and see what happens see if you get that uninspired abc motors this is you know, abc motors how can i help you see if you get that and and that starts your process of enlightenment that can take you to the next step, which is really making even bigger changes and culture changes. Yeah. And don't announce it, by the way. Don't in your morning meeting, don't be like, hey, this week we're going to be doing a sequence of mystery shops because nope, then now everybody's you're not going to get the legit response. Right. I'm a big believer in the Hawthorne effect. The old the the, <laughs> the most <laughs> overused sometimes, I think, but but just wildly important and wildly valuable idea that what gets measured gets managed. So. The, the factory workers all thought that they were, you know, they 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 were uh, told that they were going to dim and and brighten the lights in a factory to see if that would increase production or decrease production in the 1930s or 20s factory. 
And just by dimming the lights or, or brightening the lights, people produced more. And wow, what an incredible insight. But we all know that they only produce more because there was a, a researcher standing behind them with a clipboard watching their every move. And yeah. we just, we, we, our instincts kick in when we know that something here is getting measured or managed. So when you, when you don't announce it, you have your pre Hawthorne effect idea of let's just see what the baseline is. But then the Hawthorne effect kicks in when, when it just simply becomes, Hey, we, we listen, we review, we listen to, and we make some test phone calls here and there. People perform better. It's just, it's just magic. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, you don't have to act fast either. I mean, speaking of immediate gratification on all these sorts of things, don't, don't just listen to one phone call. This could be an experiment. Like this could be something you run as a business leader, as the manager, as w- whatever your position is. I mean, even as a sales professional, like this is something that anybody could test that works at the store who cares about the growth and improvement of that business and its relationships with the community. I mean, let it play out for a month. Do mm-hmm. if you don't have a ton of time, if you're juggling 18 different plates at one time. Make three, make two phone calls in one day. Then the next week, do it again. The next week, do it. like run it over the course of 30 days and just see what happens. Don't feel like you've listened to one call. You didn't like the experience for yourself. And then you shift your entire organization because you have to have yep. a, you know, in my opinion, you have to have a decent data set mm. by which to make a good decision. Yeah. Call, call, call your dealership or listen. A lot of dealerships by now have some sort of, phone call tracking technology. So yep. whether or not they use that or how much or how beneficial it is, that's, that's a challenge. That's another conversation. But so you've got this data here and you feel like you might not know what to do with it. Here's an idea. Listen to one or two phone calls a day at different times through the day. Do, do a, do a phone call. You're going to, you're getting a bunch of calls. We know that. So listen to a call around lunchtime, listen to a phone call on a Saturday morning, listen to a call on a Friday that comes in on a Friday between five and 8 PM, you know, and, yeah. and see what you're hearing, see what you're, you're feeling. Listen to two different receptionists that you have that work different shifts. Listen to your couple's morning sales crew and afternoon. And, and, and we're not saying hundreds of phone calls that, that might sound like a lot, but it's not, that's going to give you the absolute best pulse on what's actually happening way better than what you think you hear, what you think, you know, what you hear from your managers. This is real life. Yeah. And maybe even what you hear from your vendors, right? Because I think there's a lot of us who just take that monthly report and we go, oh, and then we do whatever, whatever we're told to do um, without perhaps doing our due diligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I work with a lot of agencies and lead generators and publishers we, that, that really do care about the phone as well because they're providing valuable quality leads their dealers and mm-hmm. if if i'm an agency or a vendor or if i'm a lead provider i am thrilled about this idea that i can listen to their phone calls and, and be a partner with them in that and that's probably for two reasons one we know that a lot of these are very often good quality leads that come in on the phone through these vendors through third-party lead providers and we also know that if they want to be a, a good business partner they'll actually dive in there and, or at least recognize that what's happening on the phone impacts their business as the lead provider. So if, if, if I'm ABC lead provider sending a whole bunch of leads to a dealer and I listen to a couple of their phone calls and realize, oh my gosh, 
they're beating me up over how many leads I provide. And meanwhile, they're sending my leads straight to voicemail or straight to a salesperson who doesn't care at all and isn't asking for an appointment. Gosh, there's, there's, a, there's a bigger conversation to be had here about the value we can bring. Yeah. Well, and you know, speaking of voicemail and speaking about missing important information, this is the best time to tell you listening. Make sure you are subscribed to the Dealer Playbook podcast on your favorite app so that you don't miss important conversations just like this one. Go ahead and do it now. Turn on notifications so that you don't miss a beat like voicemail, like missing those valuable conversations, the money. So let me ask you this, Mike. When we listen to these phone calls and we feel like we know what the next thing to do is, how do we, how do we say, maybe it's, maybe it's training. Maybe, maybe we realize, man, we need some phone training. Mm-hmm. What do you suggest from your vantage point is the best way to find a good trainer or training company or software? Like what, what's the process? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, there's a million and one options out there. Yeah. Well, let me, let me take a step back from that and make sure we're clear on two different sides of the phone. I just posted on LinkedIn. This, this concept on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago and I had a re- really good response. And because I think a lot of people overlook it, there's, there's two sides to the phone. There's phone skills and there's phone process and phone kind of phone management. Okay. Mm-hmm. So on, on one side you've got, and both are important. Both are, both are valuable. I'm, it, this isn't uh, one is better than the other, but it's just important to realize they're different. So phone right. skills, you've got, the very, very tactical, this, the phone scripts, overcoming objections, offering two appointment times to get somebody to come into the store, right. setting the expectations for what the visit will like, creating urgency. I'm talking in the moment, being a phone wizard and getting that person to trust you, believe you, buy into what your, what your dealership can offer, and then come into the dealership and buy a car. So that's phone skills. And that's what most people think of, right? Yeah. And that's usually like where BDCs would play and sales professionals. Is that kind of where they would play most of the time? Right. So I think it's important to realize that different people in your stores have different aptitudes of that side of the coin. Your BDCs Mm. that all they do is handle phone inbound phone calls or in outbound phone calls all day. They've got, they've received some specialized phone training in the past. They're just really good at that. That can very often be different than your 25 uh, you know 25 years in the business salesperson who sells a whole bunch of cars on repeat referrals and has never really cared much about the phone right it's okay to say they're different yeah. when it comes to phone performance <laughs> or phone skills right <laughs> so so you've got that and then on the other side you've got phone I call it phone process so this is this is different. This is about managing the managing the culture and managing the flow and managing the, the, the phone traffic and thinking of it as a funnel. So this is putting leads in CRM, phone leads in CRM. It's managing those leads in CRM. It's ensuring we we make our follow up outbound calls. It's managers placing appointment confirmation calls the morning or the day before of an appointment. It is outbound activity and ensuring that we know we need to make this many outbound calls in order to have this many live conversations in order to have this many people come visit the store. 
So it's a little bit less about, oh, I'm just perfect on the phone, right? I just, I nailed the appointment and more about the structure and processes in place to ensure, you know, the warm transfer idea that I mentioned earlier, that's a process. That's not Mm -hmm. a skill, just a process. So it's very important to understand there's a difference in those two things. Which is interesting because, you know, the thought that immediately comes to my mind is twofold. First, how many businesses, not just dealerships, perhaps want one individual to be able to do all of these things, right? We hear this all the time. Uh, How come my salespeople aren't transferring the phone leads to the CRM and updating properly and all these sorts of things? We hear this all the time. The, The second thought that comes to my mind is, could you imagine a movie set with one cast member? And that sure. cast member is the actor, the director, the producer, the um, ADR specialist, the audio technician, the doing all of these different things. And the reality of it is, is what I'm hearing you say here is like the biggest difference for me is that that wouldn't fly that that individual, that cast member is going to ultimately be good at one thing. And so phone skills is your talent. And phone management is everybody that makes the talent look good. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting analogy that I, I would have to say I, I agree with. But it's probably also worth noting that I see them of, and may, I think you do too. But I, we see them as of of equal importance, right? Brad right. Brad Pitt is not more important than the entire crew behind him building right. that film. Right. And likewise, that entire crew behind Brad Pitt needs Brad Pitt to make sure that people are coming into the movie theater, sit down and watch the movie. So, yeah, they, they, they're intertwined. What I think happens, though, and actually, this is a wonderful analogy because I think people love Brad Pitt. And <laughs> I know people love Brad Pitt, <laughs> but and, and I think people overestimate in the dealership or they they. They become so obsessed or they, we, we've just been, let me say this, we've been trained to assume that just phone skills is all that matters. And that's right. And we almost forget or don't even realize that there's the phone process side as well. And yeah. that's really exciting for me. It's grittier. It's, it's not the sexiest stuff in the world. It's blocking and tackling. It's doing the same thing every day. It's not leaving the dealership till all your phone ups are logged and confirmed. And CRM, but it's the stuff that sells and drives the machine behind the scenes. Yeah. You, you know what? Since we're talking movies and phone skills, have you ever thought about, like, if, if you've ever, I mean, if you've seen a Marvel movie and you've sat and watched because you, you know there's going to be that ending post credits thing, you know what I think about every single time? Somebody had to type in all of these names in the credits. <laughs> And there's like 10,000 of these things. And, but, but the reality of it is, you know, having a past life in the music business, I know that if that person's name doesn't show up on that screen, they're not going to get paid in perpetuity with royalties. So it matters. Like there's a whole, yeah, there is a whole payroll disaster that could mm-hmm. happen if, if that person doesn't get the credit. That's why they're called credits. Yeah. Um, And so this is kind of that same thing. Like you can't discredit like, okay, so you have your top sales professional. They are knocking out of the park. They are the talent. And, and I'm not knocking them because I could not do what Brad Pitt does. Mm -hmm. I could not sell 
the the character the story the all of that the way like i've tried my hand at acting i, I it's harder than a lot of people think sure. um but then on the flip side of that to your point if brad pitt doesn't have the right sound guy the right costume individual the right makeup professional the right audio professional the right direction the right production the right storyteller the right script writer the etc 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 brad's brad pitt will seem very disjointed in the grand scheme of that film or that production. and it's brad pitt's brad pitt's talent and skill will not it'll be disjointed and it will not come to life or or kind of empower the movie the way that it could or should. So my analogy there back to the dealer is it's back to that, that dealership delivering on what their, what their brand and what they want the experience to be. If, if, if I set an appointment with, with Brad Pitt as a customer, and then I get a manager follow-up call the next day, just to, to introduce themselves and tell, tell me how excited they are to come to the dealership. And what the experience is going to be like and confirm I know where to park and let me know the car is going to be ready. And I'm a manager doing this. Now we're aligning the work yeah. that Brad Pitt just did with, with the, with the, with the experience of the dealership before I even been there. Before, and I'm still scared to go there as a customer, by the way, I'm still, I'm still hesitant or scared, but now I've aligned Brad Pitt's work with, with the dealership as an entity, as a, as a business that wants to serve its community and I'm more likely to go visit and buy. Yeah. It'll, I mean, to a degree, it, it does alleviate some pressure, right? Even to what you just said, something as simple as the manager telling them where they should park and maybe the easiest way to access the dealership or just any of those sorts of things like, Hey, you bring in your kids. Cool. We have a play area. We have iPads. we got all the, we got TVs with movies with Disney movies and yada, 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 like all of that really coming from a leadership member, team member makes a huge difference to, like you said, align, basically align front end and back end operations to a, in, into a seamless experience. That is my, it's my favorite phone skill or phone tactic is setting the expectation for the dealership visit. I love it. I mean, I, I love it because as somebody who, you know, understands why or gets why it could be intimidating to visit a dealership, I think it's just fascinating the psychology that can is at your fingertips if you if you help them envision what it's going to be like for them to get there. Right. My dentist does it. <laughs> hey, when you get here, we'll have some paperwork for you. He'll make a joke. Hey, we're a dentist's office, so we run a few minutes late. Ha ha, but we'll get you in and out as fast as we can. Hey, looks like you didn't have x-rays last, you know, it's been six months since your last x-rays, so we'll do those again this time. And we'll have you out in about an hour. And I've got your, I'll have your record up here when, as soon as you get there. Um, and by the way, you still won't enjoy this, but you know you Exactly, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's it's not that I'm now taking the day off of work so I can get so excited to go to the dentist, but but at least... I'm a more, I, I'm more committed to going and I'm, and I'm not, um, uh, I'm not just dreading it, right? I feel like I'm in good hands. Uh, man, the, the best example I can give back to the Montreal, we, we spent some time up there at a dealership conference. I don't know if you remember this, but we did a live phone call while on stage. We called a dealer in Montreal. I do. It was awesome. And this was, 
This was incredible. Sometimes these go really well. Sometimes they go terrible. This phone call and I, and we usually play hard to get. We're not, we're not total laydowns, but we're not jerks either. The end of this phone call included me confirming my appointment with an Audi dealership at a specific time, knowing exactly where to go and then confirming if I like my coffee black or with cream and sugar and that it'll be waiting for me when I get there. I received a text 10 minutes later confirming my visit and the coffee will be waiting for me along with the car and the expectations for what to do there. I mean, are you kidding me? Wow. You think that person isn't likely to show up or isn't at least going to call if they're running late or if they can't make it, they're going to reschedule appointment or for when they get there, they're not going to be more, more comfortable learning and buying from you. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And you, and you know, what's funny about this, like back to the point about sometimes we make it sound easier than it is. And people, this, what, what you're talking about here, this is literally something you can start doing on your next phone call. Yes. One hundred percent. This can happen right now. You can see, you can see a massive culture shift at your store right now. Your phone's ringing and you're listening to this episode of the podcast, push pause and answer the phone and, and just make the experience better for them. And you know what you got to do. We just, Mike just gave you a ton of examples here. Like ask them how they like their coffee, tell them where to park, tell them what to expect when they arrive. Simple, simple, simple. You can do this right now and start seeing a massive positive impact on your store. And do it in service. Do it in service. Oh my gosh. Same, same thing. Everything we just said, but put your service hat on and explain that type of stuff to those callers too. Cause you're getting a ton of them all day, every day. The phone's ringing. Give them those, those expectations. This is going to sound like a weird knock and it is not intended that way. And P.S. If you're listening, don't go on a firing spree right now. Cause I, I do want to hear your opinion, Mike. Um, does our current receptionist phone routing process get in the way? Ooh. Now I, I say that I, I ask it in that way because with process can come mm-hmm. training and with training can come improvement. But I'm asking specifically in the context across the board, generalizing a little bit, does the current process get in the way? How may I direct your call? Or or maybe not even that. Maybe it's still ABC Motors or whatever. Is it getting in the way? Is it helping? Or what? And better yet, maybe what are some suggestions so that we're not, doesn't come across like we're pointing fingers. What are some suggestions you have to improve that side of the, of, of the phone calls? So the, the gatekeeper, so to speak. Yeah. It's funny. The, the, it's a funny reality when, when you tell a dealer, you know, who handles more calls at your dealership than anyone else. And it's by a factor of 25 and it's not even close. It's not your top salesperson who's on the phone all day. It's a receptionist. <laughs> yeah. um, so here, here's my thoughts. I, or, and my, some data that we have supports this and working with thousands of clients, we tend to see that when a dealership uses some sort of phone bridge or phone auto attendant, significantly better results in terms of getting calls to connect it to somebody who can help faster and better. And it gives a better customer experience. Mm. And a lot of people don't like to hear that. (laughs) A lot of people think the number one thing that needs to happen is they need to hear human voice as fast as possible. And I say, Not really. If we're just sending that person to voicemail, that, that kind of stinks. 
Yeah. So what we see is using a bridge or an auto attendant with a friendly customized greeting that routes them to parts or, or sales sale service or parts. And then there's you know phone technology and phone processes just to ensure that that call is picked up quickly and efficiently. You can have multiple phones ring, you can have rollovers. It's it's Sounds complicated, but it's not. It basically just ensures that we're getting a call answered faster and by somebody in the, the proper department more quickly. Um, what we're preventing there as much as possible is we're, we're preventing just adding a middle, a middle person that slows things down. That is often overworked and the phone is ringing so much they, they almost can't even handle all the calls depending on the time of the day. And sure. we just see that the, the phone experience tends to go up if you have a phone bridge in place. And a lot of people don't like to hear that, but it's what the data tends to show. Yeah. And well, and if you're going to do that, make sure your team is aware of how it works. And so they're not when, when the bridge or auto attendant sends the, bridges them to a department where they can get help faster. Make sure that they're not answering their cell phone while they're sitting on the jump. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Driving right. Like nothing infuriates me more than hearing a toilet flush in the background, <laughs> or it sounds like you're in the middle of a freaking festival, right. or you're driving down the highway. I like just don't. Everybody's got to be on board. I would say that's my two cents. Yeah, there. and, it, and it, it goes back to. These conversations and the importance of these phone calls, everything we're talking about is you know needs to be happening culturally at your store we and that sounds like some big, crazy, impossible task, but it's really not. It's you just slowly chip away as leadership and managers, and by the way, that matters more than anything, like anything with like digital retailing like like how we treat the customer, like doing community service. It's a top-down thing. Um, we we right. just start chipping away at, at ensuring our, our, our dealership knows that we're a dealership that cares about the phone experience. And we know that this is oftentimes the only experience or could be the only experience somebody ever has with our store. So we care. And this is what we're going to do about it. And we're going to talk about it. And we're not going to point fingers uh, and, uh, until we set guidelines and, and, and create, you know, rules of engagement and processes. And that includes not answering the phone when you're on the john, but it also includes recognizing that every single phone call is important and we're going to do our damnedest as a dealership to make sure we take care of our customers.